You're listening to Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today we have a great interview in store. I had a lot of fun with this one. Pat Bowden is regional pro staff for Strike King and Loose, two of the biggest names in the game. I personally love Strike King baits. I actually met Pat for the first time in person at Bass Pro with my grandparents. I learned a lot in this interview, and I think you will too. You're probably getting sick of the sound of my voice, so let's hear some of Pat's. Today I'd like to welcome Mr. Patrick Bowden to this episode of Catching Knowledge. I first met Pat in person at Bass Pro Shops. When I saw him, I said, Dad, I think I just saw a pro bass angler because I noticed his jersey. He's pro staff for Strike King, Rage Tail, and Lose, some of the biggest names in the game. I'm excited to learn from him. Welcome, Pat. Hi, how are you doing, Micah? Good. I am too. Let's get started. All right. How and where did you start fishing? How and where did I start fishing? Well, when I was a little boy, I grew up fishing in Kentucky, mostly with my grandpa. And then uh, as I got older, living in the Missouri and St. Louis area, my dad would take us out fishing and pretty much got hooked on being on the water and catching fish when I was just a little guy, maybe four years old, five years old. Nice. What do you mainly fish for? Mostly I, I fish for bass. Usually between March and September, I'm fishing local club tournaments. There may be some tournaments that I'll fish in between my club tournaments that are fundraisers and things like that. But I'm mostly fishing bass at that time. Now, normally at the end of tournament season, even though I still want to fish a little bit for bass, a lot of times I'll pick up a fly rod and go and fish for trout. Nice. I hear Kevin Van Dam likes to fly fish. Oh, he does. I don't know. I've never asked him that question. But I'm sure if he's an angler like any of us, fishing for just about anything is fun. Yeah. You're pro staff for Strike King, Rage Tail, and Lose. Can you tell us what it's like and what you do? Absolutely. One thing I can tell you right off the bat, I love what I do. With Lose and Strike King and Rage Tail blended in with those guys, those are my three top companies that I'm regional pro staff for. It's a passion for me. I get to meet people like you, get to meet a lot of people. Being a regional pro staff team member, I basically my job is being in between the salespeople with our companies and our factory people with our companies. And so when I am face-to-face with people like you and, and other, other anglers out there, I listen a lot to what you guys have to say, what you like, what you don't like about our products and things like that. And so I'll take that back to our company and say, well, hey, we may need to work on this a little bit better. We're having some problems with a, a particular product line. So it's those kind of things that I get to do and just totally blessed to do them. I don't know what else to say. I've been in pro staff business well over 18 years, 20 years, uh, with different companies across the gamut. All of them have been tier one companies like the ones I'm with right now. And the people that are part of those companies are the best people I've ever worked with. It's just a great group of people that work for Lou's, Striking, our Rage Tail side of the business. All these people are just great people. I like a lot of uh, Striking products. Oh, I'm glad you do. Uh, You might be getting some here before long. (laughs) Recently, I've been fishing with a three and a half inch pro model tube. Okay. I used that a lot this month or two ago. I caught one that was decent for the body of the water. Mm -hmm. It was 14 and fat. That's nice. 
Yeah. It's a newer lake. It's worked well for me. That's good. Do you catch and release? Yeah. Or you catch and keep? I release them. Okay. I also like the ochos. Oh, ochos are good. Those baits are probably one of our biggest sellers. They catch fish just about anywhere you go. If I'm fishing the tournament and I need to get fish really quick or they've gotten real finicky on me, I'll throw ochos. I'll, I'll throw them wacky style and uh, I'll catch up pretty quick. Those are real quick catchers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the people you've met doing your job? I have met several of our touring pros. Those are the guys that you'll see fishing BASS or MLF or FLW. The majority of the pros range anywhere from Kevin Van Dan, David Fritz, back in the day. The guys that I've met that are part of that touring pro area have been great guys. My hat's off to these guys because they sacrifice a lot to do what they do, being away from family and, and things like that. I've met quite a few. Matter of fact, just this year, early in the spring, I, I had an opportunity to fish with, with Brian Snowden. Brian is a Missouri angler. And so I was able to spend some time on Table Rock with him. Got to know him a little bit better. He's a real great guy. And, and he's a BASS elite pro. Wow. These guys are good guys and gals. How did you get started doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Years ago, at the very beginning, I was looking for a specific striking bait that they didn't make anymore. And so I contacted Striking, and Striking said, well, you need to talk to this certain person who is part of our sales team in, in that area and see if, if he would have something on hand for you. Even though we discontinued him, he may have some. I said, okay, that'd be great. So I called up my contact and talked to him on the phone, and sure enough, he had what I needed, which was really cool. And so I talked to him for a little bit, and he says, do you fish much? And I go, uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, for, for the average guy. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about how many times you get out during the year and, and things like that. So I started telling him how often I fished, and I kept a logbook. If I went out a certain day, I recorded what the temperature was, uh-huh. what the temperature of the water was, what time of day, what baits I was using, things like that. And so I kind of began to break that down and talk to him a little bit. And he said, well, have you ever thought about pro staffing? And I said, what's that? And so he began to share a little bit with what that would be. And he said, I'm wondering if you would want to become part of our team. My life is in bigger hands and God takes care of me. He really does. And I knew right then and there that God had opened a door for me to do this. And so I uh, accepted his opportunity for me to get into the pro staff side of, of the fishing industry. And it has just snowballed from there. It's been a really good ride, but that, that's how it all started. I needed a bait talk to Strike King, and they said, you need to call this person, and next thing you know, door opens, and here I am. Wow. Yeah, pretty exciting. <laughs> Wouldn't trade a minute of it. What's your favorite part about your job? My favorite part about being uh, a regional pro staff team member is being a part of the fishing industry. It is so big. There's so many things out there, and the companies that I work for I don't know if I could single out one very best thing, but one of the things that I love to do most is to be able to help somebody else learn how to fish and learn how to fish better. And so when I get opportunities to do seminars, one of the key things that I try to teach people is that little things make big differences. A lot of times when I'm doing a seminar and speaking in front of people, we'll talk about those things and how to make your next outing better. 
by maybe changing a few things, help you catch more fish or, or maybe help you understand how to take care of your reels or your rods or your lines better. So uh, all of that wrapped up in one is this is just something that I love to do. Like I said, it's a passion for me. What do you think the hardest part of your job is? Not being able to do it full time. <laughs> you know, a lot of times when I get called up or when we need to go to a certain store or a certain event, I know it's only going to last for a few days. I would love to have it turn into something where I, I could do it every day. And maybe down the road that will still happen. But yeah, the hardest part is to know that when that event is done, it may be weeks or months before we get another one. It all depends on what time of year it is. But yeah, I'd say that's the hardest part. Can you tell me some of the products you've helped with, with like designing them? Well, sure. Over the years, being on a pro staff team, our companies rely on us to give them good feedback. Whether it's good feedback or whether it's bad feedback, they like for us to interact in that manner. Recently, just this year, uh, back in January, I had the opportunity to be part of the field testing team for a Strike King's new fishing line that we came out with. It got released during the Bassmaster Classic. It's called Primal. We have a braid, we have monofilament, we have fluorocarbon line now that comes out under the striking name of Primal. And so I got to spend time pre-fishing with all that, working the kinks out, so to speak, looking for weaknesses. You know, maybe the chemistry's off a little bit and so they rely on us to give them feedback to them on how that line's performing, whether it's braid, monofilament, or fluorocarbon. I got to be a part of that with some other regional guys and with some touring pros like Andy Montgomery to be on, on that team to actually pre-fish that. And that's interesting, too, because a lot of time that's going on before any of our products hit the market. It may be under wraps for a couple of years before consumers will see it because Strike King, Lose, Racetail, they are so geared to making sure that that lure or that product is right before it hits the market. So when it gets into the hands of the consumer, they can go out and catch fish like we do. I've always wondered how they make line. Do they need like a big, giant, long factory? Sort of. <laughs> There's all different processes. The word is called extrusion. That's how the, the material of the line gets fed through. Have you ever played with Play-Doh, a Play-Doh factory? You, you push down on the handle and it pushes out a piece of Play-Doh. It looks like a noodle. Something if like you get, that. Yeah, if you can think of line manufacturing in that way, different companies make their, their line in different ways. Braids have different number of strands in the braided lines. If you can imagine, there's a machine that weaves those. It's a pretty big process, and, and the chemistry has to be just right. Otherwise, you don't have good line. They're chemists, scientists, engineers. Every one of these people, designers that are behind products that help get it to the, to the market. And so it's the same way with line making. Different companies make their lines in different ways, but it's an interesting process. Maybe someday you'll be able to go see that happen. Yeah. That'd be cool. I've always wanted to see one of those fish labs. Yep. You knock on the right doors and you, you'll be able to do that. And I'm sure with what you're doing right now, that will help those doors open for you. Well, that's good. Maybe you can take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So basically these companies, 
they just give you all the new stuff, like Luz would give you a new reel of all the bells and whistles, and you test it out? That would be nice. That hasn't happened yet. I've been with Luz now for about three years, ever since they merged with Striking. Uh, I haven't had that opportunity yet, but uh, we do get all of our products from them, and because we're part of the team, they treat us pretty special. Yeah, but I was wondering, I've watched tournaments before, but I've never really explored the whole contracts and stuff. I know they have obvious names on their jerseys and they have a contract for all those people. Does that mean that you can only fish your fair lures or? Right. Yeah. Like for me, the contract that I signed with Lose and Striking clearly says that I'm not allowed to promote any other product line. Actually, with our stuff, you really don't need to be fishing anything else, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that just because I wear their jersey. I'm saying that because I've fished their stuff for so many years that you don't need to fish anything else. Yeah, makes sense. Were you ever a touring pro? I fished a regional national level with Fishers of Men. I was part of their central division. A buddy of mine and I, we, we were part of their team and we fished their tournament trail series. That'd be like a step below the touring pros that are fishing BASS, FLW, MLF. Not quite as intense, but still, you know, you're fishing a certain division, and you're putting in pre-fish time, and you're, you're winning money. There's money tied to it. And so, yeah, that was fun. That was a good time in my life, but it's just like everything else. Everything has its season. And so when that season came to an end, I just focused more on doing pro staffing and, like I said, running our local bass club here. Can you tell me about some of the tournaments you fish? Sure. The ones that mean the most to me are the ones that are charity tournaments. Uh, We fished one in May. It was called Cops for Kids. That particular tournament raises money. It helps unfortunate kids. For me, participating in that win, lose, or draw on those tournaments I just want to participate and be a part of that. There's been a lot of memorable times. Uh, There's been a lot of things that have happened that have been funny, like falling out of a boat (laughs) and uh, getting a little wet. I fished a big bass tournament one year. My wife, Kathy, had wanted to fish that tournament with me. To that point, she hasn't really seen me tournament fish before. When I fish for fun, I'm a different guy. When I'm fishing a tournament for money, (laughs) I'm a different guy. And so I said, now, there might be a time when I'm on the front end of the boat, you're going to hear me talking to myself. And I said, don't worry about me. I'm just working things out. And so it just so happened that day that uh, it rained on us all day hard, and it was really hard on her to be out there with me. But we had just a little bit of time left in the day. And she said, why don't we go to that one spot on the map that you said you wanted to go to and we haven't gone to yet? There's got to be something there. I said, okay. So we ran about a good 15, 20 minutes across the lake, get to that spot. And I pulled around the point and here was a piece of wood laying in the water, a tree that fell over and a root wad was there. And it just looked good for where a big female bass post-spawn would, would hold before she moves out to deep water. So I picked up the jig. I had a striking jig on, threw it over there, and I barely just got a turn of the reel, and I thought I was snagged, and the snag pulled back. Well, come to find out, that snag turned out to be the winning bass of that big bass tournament. Having my wife Kathy there to see that was, was worth every bit of rain that we went through, just being a tough day on the lake, but having her there see me hook that big one and win that tournament was great. 
Someone I know caught a 22-inch smallmouth, and at first he thought it was a log. That is a big fish. That is a big fish. A 22. You better have some good stuff if you're catching something like that. Those smallmouths can be pretty mean. How big was your winning bass? Six pounds, 6.54. Wow. Yeah, yeah, pushing seven. I can't imagine how bad one of those big ones would tear up your thumbs. You'll get a little sore, <laughs> but you don't think about it because it's, it's, just, yeah. you, it's just a smile on your face. Uh-huh. I think the smile on my face hurt more than my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people wear fishing gloves. Yep. What's your opinion on those? I wear them. A couple of reasons. It depends on time of year as well. Like early in the spring, you're fishing March, April. Even some of May here in Missouri it can still be pretty chilly. So it's nice to have a pair of gloves on. Now, I do have a pair of neoprene gloves that I wear that are full-fingered for cold, cold days. In the summertime, it's a good idea, if you don't have sunscreen, to have some kind of protection on your hand, and I'll wear a pair of, of fishing gloves just to keep my hands protected. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, my dermatologist doesn't like it when I don't wear my gloves or have the proper hat on. He kind of hollers at me. The gloves are a good thing. Do you have any favorite fishing stories or experiences? The one about my wife, Kathy, and I fishing the big bass event, that, that's probably the one that's closest to my heart. There's plenty of times where certain things happen during a tournament day that you'll always remember, you won't forget. Those are the stories where we're at the right place at the right time and you loaded the boat in 10, 15 minutes. Those are far and few between days. And I tell guys all the time, enjoy them when they happen because they're far and few between. (laughs) Anything like that, you know, where either A, I've got somebody in the boat with me that that hasn't fished a lot and can see the smile on their face. And when they tell me, I've never caught this many fish before or I've never caught a a bass that big before, that just uh, touches my heart. Now I want to go fishing with you. You can. We'll have to work it out sometime, get out on the lake, and we can go have a good time. There's a lot of places around us here that are not too far from the home here that we can get on and go fish. Is your dad fish? Yeah. Okay. We can work it out where all three of us can go. Great. How many rods do you think you have? Oh, my goodness. On any given tournament, I'll have 15 to 17 rods in my boat. Now, do I use all of those? No. If I'm having a bad day and you come by my boat and you see, you know, 10 or 12 rods laying on the deck, you know Pat's having a bad day. <laughs> uh, but if you come by my boat and you see maybe two or three on deck, then you know I'm, I'm in the money. You know that I'm doing good that day. And those are days I look forward to is when I can, I can put everything else away and maybe have two rods on deck. But they're all different. You know, I, I explain to people, they say, well, how come you have so many rods? And I said, well, it's kind of like somebody who's playing golf. They just don't use one yeah. club, you know. And so all, all of my rods have different purposes, you know, everything from crankbaits only to drop shotting to jig fishing. They're all special. All the line, all the reels, the, the reel speeds, the rod lengths and strengths are geared to a specific type of fishing. Yeah. What do you usually start with? It all depends on what type of environment that I'm in, what the weather's doing. Normally, 
On deck, I'll have a jig, like a half-ounce football jig with a trailer, one of our rage-tail trailers on it. I'll have a Ned rig. I'll have a crankbait. And I'm probably going to have a bladed jig, like one of our um, thunder crickets. Something that I can search with, because I want the fish to tell me where they are. Once I, f- I figure out, yeah, they're, they're here. I, of course, I've got electronics and stuff, but I want them to tell me where they are. Then I can slow down and I'll change up. But normally, if it's early in the morning and the topwater bite's on, I'll have some kind of topwater bait tied on. But as the morning progresses, I'm going to back off and uh, probably be throwing a jig or maybe some type of creature bait. It all depends. Yeah, if you've ever seen one of our striking rodents, uh, I fish a lot of those. That's a good, versatile bait that has got a lot of fish to the boat for me. We're currently in the dog days of summer when it comes to fishing. What do you do to catch fish even though it's summer? Okay, sure. Usually in the dog days of summer, if you're fishing a tournament, you really need to work hard to get your fish early in the morning. You know, try to get your five fish in the live wells early. Because as it heats up, the sun comes out again, it's going to be hot, it's going to be muggy. A lot of things come into play as far as how you're going to catch those fish. Normally, you're going to start looking a little bit deeper. You may start off a little bit closer to the bank in the morning, but usually later in the day when it's this hot, you're going to start looking for offshore areas like ledge drops, uh, channel banks, any kind of uh, brush piles that are deep. Any type of cover that those fish can get in and around could be boulders, could be a mixture of rock and wood that's deeper, and then you you start looking for those areas. And then again, too, I always tell people during this time of year, make sure you take care of your fish. You know, if you keep them in your live well, make sure that you've got water conditioner in there for the fish. I have oxygenators in, in my live well, so I'll turn those on and keep those fish cool so that you're not bringing dead fish in the, in the way in. Yeah. Wouldn't you get like disqualified for that or something? Not necessarily. Different rules for different tournaments. A lot of times it's weight penalties for our local club here. If you bring in a, a dead fish to weigh in, you automatically deduct two pounds and you can't weigh that fish. We work really hard to keep our fish alive. And so dog days of summer, look deeper, look for weed edges, weed lines that they can hide in that are a little bit deeper look for any kind of structure or cover that they can hold on uh, brush piles rocks boulders things like that and again any type of channel swings where there's ledges they'll be there sounds good you said when you do seminars you talk about lots of little things right you do to catch more fish right can you tell me some of those oh absolutely a lot of times when you're fishing tournament you're following guys down the bank that there may have been, you know, three or four boats ahead of you that's already been on that bank. A lot of guys are throwing the same thing. They may be throwing a a, a jig. They may be throwing, you know, a shaky head or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is I try to change up things a little bit. If you look at my tackle and my tackle box, you'll see that there's things that I do to my baits that are different. I want my bait to look a little bit different than the guy who's ahead of me that may have just came down that that particular bank. I want to throw something that may be a little bit different shape to it, maybe a little bit different color. Sometimes I'll use spike it, which is a dye that you can dye some plastics with. Yeah. Based on time of year, I may use a little more, a little less, but I just want to make that bait look a little bit different than what most guys are throwing. I've been in tournaments where we've come behind other anglers. We'll see them work through that, that area not catch anything and come right behind them and and we'll pick up fish 
because a lot of times we're throwing something that's just a little bit different. If you had somebody that was uh, fishing in the front of the boat and you were in the back seat and you were fishing out of the back of the boat, uh, which you would probably spend a lot of time there as you're working your way up, then you, you throw lighter line. You'll throw something a little bit lighter. If the guy up in the front of the boat is throwing a big jig, you might want to throw a little, a little shaky head or you might want to throw a wacky and pick up the fish that the guy in the front of the boat is missing. So there's little things like that that make a big difference. It may mean switching out a hook, or let's say you want a crankbait to run a little bit deeper than somebody else that just opened up a package, tied one on, and thrown and fishing with it. A lot of times I'll put a suspend dot or two on the bottom of my crankbait that'll keep it down. It makes it run a little bit different, keep it down in the strike zone a little bit longer that can afford me to get that bite where somebody else passed it up. I hear with some lures and suspend dots, you have to put it on in just the right place or else right. you'll mess up. The- yeah, you don't want to mess up the action. You'll learn. Uh, when I began to start messing around with uh, suspend dots, I'd fill up my bathtub and I'd take the baits that I was going to use and I want to test where I want that suspend dot to be on that particular bait because not all baits are the same. I would test them there. Then that, that way I knew that, that they would be good. And of course, then when I got out to the actual lake I'd be fishing in, if you put suspend dots on a suspending jerk bait, water temperature and water density, you may wind up taking off a suspend dot, or you may want it to sink a little bit faster and add another suspend dot. Those are little things that come into play that, that you have to, to keep. You have any other advice for me? Uh, yeah. This is something that I'll tell a lot of guys gals that are at one of my seminars every year pick a technique whether it's drop shot whether it's ned rig whether it's fishing a spinner bait and learn how to fish that proficiently that may be all you fish with that season and i can say that because there's times where i've done that where i said i want to learn how to fish two baits better and so non-tournament times that's that's what i'm throwing i'll be throwing that particular bait to get a feel for it, to learn how that bait falls with different line weights, different weights, different different ways of fishing that bait. So I would say pick a technique and, and just fish it that, that season until you feel good and comfortable with it. When you get into a, a position where you fish more and more tournaments, you need to stay versatile. That's one of the biggest tips I can give somebody is take one thing and fish it hard. Okay. Time for some rapid fire questions. We should be quick. Okay. Braid or mono? Depends on where I'm fishing. If I'm throwing in the grass and I'm fishing a lot of heavy weeds, I want braid because braid is sliced through those weeds pretty good. If I'm fishing relatively clear water, I want uh, fluorocarbon. So no mono? I'll throw mono when I'm fishing topwater. Sometimes like these baits, like that. Um, that's a KVD sexy dog hard knock. That is a KVD Sexy Dog Hard Knock Modified. See this little guy? Yeah. Put that on there. Yeah, that, that is a, that's a special secret. Nice. Binning rails or bait casters? If I'm throwing light baits, like uh, wacky rigs, shaky heads, Ned rigs, I'm throwing them on spinning reels. But because I'm a jig fisherman from the get-go, I love throwing jigs. I got to have a, a good heavy reel. So I'd be a bait caster then. Yep. Favorite lure to fish with? A jig. I can fish that any time of the year, all year, and I'm going to catch fish. I'd say my favorite is, is a jig. Favorite tournament you've ever fished? 
favorite tournaments I've ever fished. Obviously, the ones I win, those are good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say my favorites, ranking right at the top has to be Cops for Kids this May. There were 280 boats entered in that one. It was an awesome tournament. We didn't get into big money on that, but you know what? It was for a good cause, and that, that meant more to me than anything. I've also heard about co-anglers. On some tournaments, you can pay money to be on the back of a boat. Of you can. There are certain divisions and certain pro-am type deals where you buy in. Essentially, you pay your entry fee and you uh, fish the back end of a pro's boat. Those can be real good learning experiences. Did you ever do that? Tournament-wise, no, I haven't. I've always dove in head first and just, just said, let's go do it. And so when I fished regional, divisional level, team-wise, it was just like, let's just go do it. And we did. Favorite fish to eat? My favorite fish to eat? Yeah. Oh, crappie. Biggest fish you've ever caught? Biggest fish was a largemouth bass on a buzzbait, and it was right at nine pounds. Wow. Yeah. That was a far and few between. <laughs> Apples or oranges? Apples. Yep. <laughs> All right. Time for our last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? I would like to, um, I would like to go fish in South America for a peacock bass. Uh, the topwater action that I've seen would just be off the scale. I, I would say if I had one place that somebody said, I put the bill, where do you want to go? I'd say, let's go to South America and let's fish with some peacock bass, topwater. That sounds fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Well, you're welcome. My pleasure. I'm glad we had an opportunity to do this anytime. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge. We want catching knowledge. I encourage you to subscribe or leave a review. I also want to thank Pat Bowden for doing the interview. The interview was gold. I should also thank Caleb, my little brother, who wanted to go to Bass Pro on his birthday. Without that, I would have never met Pat. That's all for today. See you next time on Catching Knowledge.